Hello, everyone, and welcome to Waiting to be Signed, the show where we discuss the week's events in generative art. My name is Trinity, and I'm joined by Will. And before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, as the market is a key part of art on the blockchain. That said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. It is for fun and conversation only. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week, or for those who prefer visual language on Instagram at Waiting to be Sign. If you are feeling generous, we are always accepting donations, including tokens, at our Tez wallet address, WTBS.Tez, or our ETH address, WTBS.ETH. The best way you can support the show is by joining our Patreon, becoming a lovely patron. It's a great Web2 way to support all of our efforts on a easy, monthly, one-time setup basis. All our patrons out there, thank you. We appreciate you. And also, we love you. I assume the link is in the show notes. Trinity, how's it going? It goes. It's Friday. Back to it's our Friday normal morning. time, but even later. It's all good. I have a flexible day today, luckily. We got to meet up last night, which is why we're recording Friday morning. We went to the Tonic opening for Luke Shannon's seating arrangements and got to meet Luke and Susanna in person, both of whom have been on the show. Then we jumped over to Station 3 to check out the very, very tail end of a panel talk with some people that unfortunately we didn't get to meet, like the woman who... I think curated like some of the MoMA stuff recently that involved NFTs and the postcard project and a guy from Sotheby's. So it would have been cool to talk to them and get some trad art convo going. Next time into the future. I'm sure it was a lovely discussion for people who made it. It was interesting there being kind of a split between generative art events on the same day. Normally we have a hard time finding one generative art event to attend in any given day or week. So it feels like with tonic and bright moments, and stuff like there's been a lot more so it's kind of nice to have these things popping up every now and then an excuse to try to get out of the house that we can't always do it art matter too right like you went to the art matter one just a couple weeks ago lots of cool stuff going on any takeaways anything interesting or should we just move into the news what do you think of the chairs i think that we have to make the note that luke shannon chairs they come with a real chair except for one of the uh, curated ones where the hash is no chair and you get shipped an empty box which is Hella cool. Pretty funny. Yeah. Luke mentioned in the interview that output was a potential option in the randomness of just the function. And I didn't actually imagine that Tonic would include it as like a curated piece into their presale, which they did, along with the superset chair. So it was really funny. They had them on display with a little card and it showed the hash. And so like the hash for the empty chair was just OX, O, 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 like all zeros. And the hash for the superset was OXFFFFFFF, <laughs> just like <laughs> showing the complete opposite end in the hex of just having every single thing represented. So really just funny how those hashes lined up to those. And sounds like they had a pretty successful presale so far that someone bought the empty chair, which is really interesting. It's a very aura piece, I guess, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's the lack of the chair. The actual auction for seating arrangement starts in two hours and six minutes as of the time of this recording. So excited to see how that goes. Dutch auction starting at 1 ETH going down to 0 0.2. 220 editions. It looks like 18 have been sold so far just as a part of that pre-sale. I'm sure it's something that we will talk about a little bit next week, assuming there is a next week, given that it is Thanksgiving. I think we'll we gotta figure that out. early. Yeah. It's like, sorry, family. It's uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving. We have to go record a podcast. It's podcasting time. Yeah. <laughs> they understand. Your mom But listens. we're thankful for you. So that was super cool. We saw Thomas Noya in person, Haver. You know, we got to meet Tony Marinara. 
just cool to meet a bunch of people and see them face to face. Personally, I endeavor to do more of these things as they pop up and just get out there. Anyways, that was our excursion yesterday. There's some cool news to get to this week. First and foremost being that Alba is out of beta. When did they go offline? Maybe about two and a half, three months ago? I think that they plan to get up a little bit sooner than they did. But obviously, building things takes time. Getting things set up takes time. You know, when I talked to Haver over at Art Matter a couple of weeks ago, he was like neck deep in documentation world. Mm -hmm. So there's just so much work to get done. Yeah, it seems in particular they're super focused on making the platform as accessible and easy to use and also like fun to use or pleasing to use for artists. And a lot of the notes about what they worked on between this beta and release period are things like more ability for artists to do things with the contracts, right? So ability to burn until supply or release reserves that weren't claimed, which I guess maybe weren't weren't there in the beta new auction models and things like that. So a lot of quality of life stuff for artists and probably I imagine a lot of artist dashboard tools and stuff like that, that we don't know how to evaluate because we don't use that side of it. But uh, there's already been one release, which is cool. Yeah. Dan Cat, he's always first. First params, first on chain, first Alba. Yeah. He sold out his project 81, 82, 83, 84, which is uh, his take on like a potable flow fields. Sold out 196 editions at 0.032 ETH and actually even jumped up onto the OpenSea volume charts he was talking about in Discord, which is kind of rare for art to do. So congrats to Dan. That's like, I guess, an early shout out <laughs> up, in the, up in the news section here. But I'm kind of excited to see what happens now that it's like open for people to use. They're doing like a two-day holding period right now to check for copy mints and also like, I think, continue to squash bugs. So we might see more stuff populate between episodes. You know, this is kind of like Eclipse take two. <laughs> I mean, that is a good transition for us to talk about. We had an awesome, epic interview with both Cyphered and Adam from Tender talking all about 2.0 that we're going to rush out and get out probably on like the 23rd is like my current target. So right on Thanksgiving, we'll release it for everyone to listen to if they might be traveling or if they're cooling off on the couch after a big meal, <laughs> you know, just put in the AirPods and listen to this. It's a beast of an episode. It's like over 90 minutes talking about everything 2.0, what Tender's doing with some of like their um, the first week of releases. And I honestly don't want to spoil it too much, but I, I saw you noted a couple things here that maybe are worth mentioning kind of as a preview. Yeah, I think the biggest one is we learned how to pronounce the new on-chain system. It's OnchFS. We'll just include that spoiler right here. And then we talked a little bit around some of like the pricing dynamics that might come around with a potential future for pricing in USD, which can be really exciting and really differentiated. It sounds like it's not going to be there for launch, but you know, the new contract updates, rebate auctions being a prime example of stuff that's coming up and forward. And then also talking about some of the launch activity. That's really where Adam came in to talk about the new pseudo curation layer that's coming up. All of the crazy drops that are scheduled for December 1st, Friday, which is the day it's released. The tender has at least five projects that will be releasing on that day, all from the six set of artists. We talked about taking the day off <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to kind of get in there. Maybe it would be a cool time to just pop open Discord, have Discord voice chat going. I don't know. These big monumental dates in FX Ash history have always been a ton of fun, whether it was the end of beta, the start of 1.0. When KGM was released, all super thrilling. Yeah, they're not up on the release calendar yet. And the release calendar continues to grow and grow. But these tender projects, the ones that they've at least named are from Peter Pasma, Ipsketch, Ella, Studio Yorktown, Echo 33, and Mood Soup, 
who was not a name that I think came up on the interview and not a name that's familiar to me. Does that ring a bell with you? Not yet. I'm sure we'll be uh, very much more familiar with that in like uh, maybe two or three weeks. Adam did say there will be a lot of artists we know and some that will be new to us. So perhaps that was what he was referring to. And then there's also a dot, dot, dot and more. So that means there could be even more coming either for that day or throughout that week. So super, super exciting there. One of the other really big news, pieces of news, I don't know if it's that big within the generative art world, but you know, FX hash 2.0, FX hash is updating their discord and in an effort to be more modern and more organized and more friendly to new users, there'll be a reshuffling of channels. Actually, just when we hit the record button today, we got the notification that their discord is going down for maintenance. And Mm. ultimately we are seeing the sunset of the beloved price discussion channel which we've talked about pretty frequently over the last couple of years. And it's the absolute end of an era, if you ask anybody. It's the end of an era. It's, I mean, I think that that division made sense in the beginning, but there was a lot of chatter that just happened in price discussion and only there. And it was kind of weird to have this community split amongst people in general who might've been asking non-price related stuff or I don't, honestly, I never hung out in general that much, so I don't even know what I was really missing. But um, bringing that all together... And just kind of saying like, hey, you can talk about prices here. You can talk about art. You can post images of art here. I think they're going to be a little less strict now that they've combined some of these channels together, less strict about moderating those things. There was always like, there was that era where they were like timing people out for posting images and price discussions. It's like- No shilling. Yeah, no shilling. But you know, if it's a mint reveal, right? If you you just minted it, like I actually think they got rid of the mint reveal channel. It, It seems to be back up right now. So I'm looking on the Discord it's much shorter. And they've also offloaded a bunch of that stuff that was like artist oriented to these forums too, to help organize it. So I didn't know that Discord had a forums side of it. Yeah, I've used it in some other Discords and it really took me a long time to get used to. It's not really the most intuitive thing at first. It's a little bit of a learning curve for people who are used to other Discords, but we'll get over it in a week or so. Sick. (laughs) Well, we're not going to use it, so (laughs) it's fine. The joke there though, is that they had to make a channel completely dedicated to Aussie. The general chat and price discussion, it's now going to be FX chat, uh-huh. which in French would be FX cat. It's cat. <laughs> so congrats, Aussie. You scammed the team, giving you your own personal workspace. Be right back. I got to post that in FX chat. You post that while I talk about this one last news thing, which is probably more relevant to anyone who's out there making art or thinking about getting into it. Alejandro, who created the Infantine series... That was partially on FX Hash, and then one of them was on Verse, and also created Pensado Amano. Spent a lot of time bringing together all the code, the libraries that he used and developed to create those projects, and published them with documentation and a website. So if you know how to use that stuff, which I don't really know how to do, you can find his library called p5.brush.js. All of it's there. All of the great brushes, especially that he developed, and some of the color palettes, and so worth giving that a look. If you're a fan of his art, it's probably worth seeing. I thought the website was really slick and looked great. Just going to shout that one out there in the news so that everyone's aware of it in case they missed his tweets. One sec. I need to let the cat out of the room. Speaking of FX cat. Okay. (laughs) Go do that. Let me just mention donations real quick. In the donation section, really, it's just the one new patron we got this week. So shout out to Celador. Thank you for joining the Patreon. I'll take this opportunity again to plug patreon.com slash waiting to be signed. If you subscribe at the $25 or up level, we will shout your name out at the end of the episode. 
And if we get a critical mass of patrons, we are seriously considering starting our own little Discord community for people who love the show. We have to workshop maybe what kind of things we would do in that, but I can imagine like crowdsourcing from patrons, like ideas for upcoming interview episodes if they've got questions, you know, taking more candid feedback on just the structure of the show or hot takes that we had. So all those types of things could be yours in the future if you subscribe to the Patreon. Absolutely. Everything that Will said. And also just a quick shout out to Obi for sending us two dimensions as well. Came through Crypto Noises a couple of days ago. So Thank you, Obi. All right. Topics and trends. I listened to a Tezos AMA with founder, co-founder of Tezos, Mr. Tezos himself, Arthur Brightman. They did over an hour of questions from the community that were pre-selected based on Twitter and I think from the Tezos Discord. And I want to first shout out how good of a job the moderator did here. It was literally just like, question, go, question, go. No commentary, no like insertion of the moderator's own kind of like thing. So it was like really, really efficient. They got through a lot of questions in just over an hour. Trinity, as I kind of described this to you, I want to kind of get your candid feedback as you hear how it makes you feel about Tezos and what's going on. There were a ton of questions around the marketing and perception gap of Tezos and Arthur was <laughs> a pretty good sport about answering a lot of these questions, even though they were kind of redundant in some ways acknowledging that the sports sponsorships were really misguided and had to do with this um, agency that they were working with in 2021 and 2022. They're no longer working at that agency. And they've since hired just actually recently a new CMO at Trilotech, whose first job right now is to like meet everyone and work on a new plan that would be submitted and ratified by the Tezos Foundation. So to me, this was kind of like a confirmation of what we've kind of been feeling like, which is like, well, none of that sports stuff felt like it did anything. Plus they don't seem to be doing anything right now. And I guess that's because it took them a while to fill this role and kind of, they don't have a plan right now. It's kind of the vibe that I got. Given that they have somebody new coming in, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes to get any new plans that they may create up and running and executed. If they've been kind of on pause for like the last few months, I don't want there to be too much more of a lag, especially as we head into 2024 and making sure that all the right things are in place to really kick off that 2024 summer like art scene. Because I think that was one thing that we really missed this year was Tezos representation at all of the big art events that would really help bring closer together the Web3 world as well as the legacy art world. Although we are going to see Tezos apparently at Art Basel Miami. They just like huh. posted a big list of like artists and things that they're doing there. So especially relevant for you since it sounds like you're probably going at this point. So uh, I'll find that tweet and share it over to you so you can see it. On the art side, so like one of the things that Arthur hammered home across a number of questions that kind of pertain to like Tezos economic activity, development status, and um, you know token price, things like that came up, was scaling. He just kept hammering home the idea that the chain needs to scale, like the chain is going to win by becoming scalable. And in particular, like citing that a lot of dApps that launch and other chains that really don't have the scalability built in tend to fail once they need to scale based on user activity. You hit this gap on transactions per second, gas goes up, blah, 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 blah. And it just makes for a bad user experience and it can't sustain. So it seems like his kind of idea here is that if Tezos can just become so good, it can't be ignored, then developers will have to come over here. The other half of this is like in the art side is he was really frank about crypto having not really found a good product market fit in general. His take was that payments, censorship resistant transactions and NFTs were really the only true product market fits. He was kind of ambivalent on DeFi, in particular how DeFi really only seems to be financing more DeFi 
And like the finance side of it in the traditional world usually means like people doing things, not just spinning money around, but eventually starting businesses or buying houses or doing things like that. So DeFi really is just kind of a casino right now to build and fund more casinos. And it's not. Yeah. I mean, high impact on new houses because it involves people putting additional mortgages on their current house so that they can invest in DeFi. <laughs> Which is something that <laughs> we're considering doing in the next bull cycle. Is that what you're saying? Oh, 100%. If I had a house, I'd totally put it up yeah, to invest in DeFi. That was a joke. This is not financial advice. I feel like we both resonate with that critique of crypto being like a very anti-crypto crypto podcast. It makes a lot of sense. But what do you think about this like scaling thing? Do you have an opinion after hearing that? Does it strike you in any no, way? I think it really makes sense. You know, in many cases, Web3 has been a solution in search of a problem. And sometimes that problem is people are bored and need things to do during a COVID lockdown, in which case it's a great solution. <laughs> things to keep you occupied and fill your time. You know, I think that there are problems or potential problems within gaming sphere that NFTs can really work to address if it implemented properly. And, you know, obviously there are problems with uh, global payments. Global payments is going to be a really big pain point within the traditional finance space, given the relative lack of connections between the central banks. You know, we might still run into issues with crypto just due to the regulations and needs to prevent money laundering, like funding, I don't know, terrorist organizations. I'm not quite sure. I always remember that time that you know, I venomed you for what, Baghdad because the name of a restaurant and that immediately got <laughs> Venmo held the transaction that. for like 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because yeah, that was just terrible. But it just kind of shows you what's happening behind the scenes in a lot of these types of scenarios. Yeah, I bet they're catching a lot of terrorists who are just Venmoing each other money saying like for terrorism. <laughs> Probably. Some, some AI is like, oops, block that one. Gotcha. I mean, that's how you get like super viruses, right? It's like you sanitize the 99% and that like 1% just gets bigger and stronger and then you have a super bug. And so are we just creating super terrorists by just getting the 99% of the dumb ones? <laughs> yeah, only the smartest terrorists survive to then duplicate in some way and train up others. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing that came up, there were a lot of pointed questions in particular around the Tezos Foundation itself and what they're kind of doing with all their money, of which I think they have a lot deriving from the initial token sale or ICO of Tezos, which was paid for in Bitcoin, something like what is now worth a billion and a half dollars of Bitcoin. So that's kind of the bank that Tezos or the Tezos Foundation has. And Firstly, it was interesting hearing Arthur like continue to emphasize that like Tezos is not the Tezos Foundation. Tezos is just the blockchain, just the technology. That foundation is a group of people who have their own charter and objectives, which he didn't actually like say what they were. Maybe they're published somewhere. But I thought it was a little bit of a weird distinction. It kind of felt like it was like, this shouldn't concern you because the Tezos Foundation is not Tezos. So why are you guys so worked up about this in a way? Because a lot of the questions were about how they're using their money, like why are they investing so little in app developers and like why is it so hard to get a grant? And when we get it, I guess someone spun up a grant pool and it was like only $50,000 that's meant to like fund a bunch of stuff. And it's like, well, who's going to make a robust app ecosystem on Tezos for $50,000? I found this to be the area where Arthur was like a little bit evasive and also kind of seemed to throw a little bit of sideways shade, implying that a lot of the proposals they've gotten have not been good. And so maybe that's why there hasn't been so much money given like out. The product market fit. Nobody's providing a solution that meets the market need, I suppose. 
Yeah. It contrasted oddly because there was a question about this Champ Medici fund that is being partially funded by Tezos, the Tezos Foundation. I'm sure everyone who collects NFTs has probably heard of Cosimo de Medici and this whole like, is it Snoop Dogg or Snoop Dogg's son or whatever, but apparently it's Snoop Dogg's son and he's creating this fund that's mostly going to be music focused, but the Tezos Foundation chucked a million dollars into it for him to, I guess, it's not clear if it's like directly to collect music on Tezos or to bring musicians over to start creating like more of a music art ecosystem on Tezos. But I think that's kind of like a weird thing to square with like, well, we don't want to give out money to developers. You guys either aren't good enough or we just don't think it's worth it. But then also like, here's a million dollars for someone to go do. We don't know. We don't know like what well, level marketing. of oversight. It's a million dollars of marketing budget in order to get a, that money invested theoretically back into Tezos from the art side and then just bringing visibility to it overall. Honestly, that sounds like a sound investment that could provide more ROI than building quote unquote, another shitty DeFi platform that is right. just doomed to fail. So I don't necessarily see something wrong with that. I think there just needs to be balance and maybe perhaps like a better understanding of the foundation's overall goals and like kind of the pillars that they're looking to support, whether it's the marketing, the growth, build, that sort of thing. I think the uh, overall sentiment though, I mean, and the way that the reason and the way the question was asked kind of implied that there's a lot of salt. Like if there's a million dollars for this, like why can't that $50,000 fund be a million dollars? And then we can actually fund like two or three good projects. And also like you guys might have $1.5 billion. So why can't we, <laughs> why can't we have a little bit more? Mm-hmm. So I actually don't know what to think about. Like, I agree. It's great exposure. Like this, like Cosimo and like they're celebs. They have got big followings. They've got also individually big followings in crypto Twitter. So I totally get why they're doing this. Oh, so the other thing on that transparency side is there's like a new president apparently that was just nominated or installed for the Tesla Foundation. So there might be a follow-up AMA with them in a month or two. And I'm definitely gonna try to listen to that. Cause I'm really, what I'm, I guess what I'm really hoping for is to hear like a lot more about what they do and what they want to do and the value that they're bringing to the overall community. Yeah. And also just show that there is like the plan that it's not just like screw the devs, screw art. (laughs) Like we don't care about any of this. We just want more transactions per second. And eventually we're going to connect the dots and win. Obviously I added my own color commentary in there, but holistically hearing that, how do you feel? I mean, as a TLDR, I feel really neutral about it. You know, I'm glad that this happened. It is like a first step in towards having more of that transparency and having just that list of questions being answered, which is awesome. I think there needs to be more of it. Would love it if there was like a monthly forum or quarterly forum in which this sort of engagement happened. You know, when it comes to communication, more is almost always more until you get to that point of it being too much. Did anybody ask about the OpenSea thing? When will Tezos come to OpenSea? No one asked about that, no. That's a huge missed opportunity. I assume it's pretty dead at this point, and maybe everyone just rightly assumes that it's dead and not going to happen, but I should have submitted a question. It sounds like pretty much they took all the questions, and some people even had like three or four questions of their own in there, so... Yeah, it was actually really fun to listen to. I give Arthur a lot of credit for not really dodging any questions and for the most part, giving really straightforward answers. There were a couple of times where someone set up a premise that he just rejected and was like, I can't answer that because your premise is wrong. But then there was like no further explanation. So I don't I don't know what to think about those. But he seemed a pretty good sport about a lot of the questions, which were not always like deftly worded, I would say, <laughs> you know, likewise, I would be excited to see more transparency like this from the folks around the top. Looking forward to that AMA with the new president. Thanks for bringing this to the table and thanks for listening. Always excited to hear what's happening with Tezos higher up.
in 2024, we need to get someone else on the show and talk about this and just learn more like for us to educate. Cause it's so as non-developers, it's like everything we get is like scraps like this. We're not in the weeds on the dev side and like reading all the commits and trying to understand what's going on. So the only way for us to understand is through events like this. So should we move on to art? Let's move on to the art. The one that you pulled out first is Plus Graph on Feral File. So let's talk about that. Plus Graph it is an exhibition curated by Casey Reese. It's 30 works by six different artists, all generative, I believe. And the big plus side of it, that this all comes with a physical component. So really focus on plotter work specifically. And this is actually an extension of something that they did a couple of years ago, which I think it was called Minus Graph. And so almost all of the artists here participated in that original exhibit. I actually can't remember which is the new person off the top of my head, but it's kind of cool to come back to this concept and check in on these artists and see how their practice has grown in that time. The artists being featured here are Alicia Hay, Joni Lemercier, Alexandra Jovanich, James Merrill, Iskra, and Julian Gachadot. So all people who are pretty well known for plotter stuff. I mean, uh, even Iskra, who's like has done plotter stuff in the past, and a lot of her work is like very plottable, <laughs> anyways. Yeah. But Alicia, in particular, is cool because it's like using a paint plotting method. While I think the rest are using more traditional. Yeah, that was the first one I clicked on and it was that's why I paused a little bit and like plotted because it's definitely not classically plotted. She's been posting some of this stuff on social media like the plotter in progress and there was even a YouTube video that went up this week walking through the exhibition you know with Casey Reese moderating it along with someone else from Feral File whose name escapes me apologies and in the background of Leisha's like little zoom window, you can see the plotter moving behind her. <laughs> Cause I think they're still like working on getting all of these since all 30 of them have to be produced. And some of them, a lot of them probably take, you know, 10 plus hours to plot. And I'm sure like hers where she has to constantly change the color being applied and move things around. is like not trivial just to get one done, let alone 30. I was looking through Iskra's work, which is anatomy of a rabbit, but bird. And, you know, obviously Iskra is known for her bird motif and that's again kind of pulled through here in a delightful and subtle way. It's definitely more bird than rabbit, but each mm -hmm. piece, I think it's just really beautiful, elegant, and is almost like dancing across the page. And some of these birds, I just have such personality. I'm looking at number 29 specifically, and I think it would be very cool to have this one in particular. I'm also just a huge fan of Iskra overall. And the way Feral File does these is they're all batched together. So there's like set number 29. So you can't just buy the individual Iskra piece. Like you have to buy the entire lot that'll come with one of each artist, which is, which is really cool, right? It's like a really interesting way of curating and making sure that like when a collector buys something, they're getting not just one individual piece curated, but the whole set you're getting, there's like intentionality into pairing all of these together. Min price is like 2.1 ETH, which honestly is not that bad considering for you get six? these physicals. Yeah, for six pieces with physicals, it's about 4,000 bucks right now. It's $4,000 worth of wall space in New York. Yeah, honestly not a bad deal. The rabbit bird thing made me think of like, you know those things that you look at when you're a kid and it's like you look at it one way and it's a rabbit and the other way it's a duck or it's like an old lady mm -hmm. or something. It's kind of like that gestalt quality of this. Because I'm trying to remember the story of this, like where the rabbit comes into play and if the bird became accidental or what, but just kind of made me think of that in the moment. I'm a super interested also in like James's pieces here. It's kind of like this cool take 
on box packing, but then it's broken up by this big continuous stroke. And then it adds like kind of like the shattering of it adds color. Mm -hmm. I think this one looks super striking. I also appreciate that a lot of them appear to be like in a landscape format. For your screen. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, for the priorities. Kind of reminds me of weirdly of like that Peter Pasma piece, Angry Noise. Obviously very different, but like the idea of that like one like big the mo- Like line. that unstructured motif kind of bursting out of the middle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All this stuff is really cool. Makes me wish I had the money to jump in. Are they sold out? I'm trying to uh, get to the collect page, but it's just spinning for me, unfortunately. They are ongoing. Some of them have been sold. I think each lot was like offset by a half hour or an hour as they were being auctioned. Some still don't have a bid to start the timer. I think a lot of them are going to be closing today or over the weekend. So if you want to break into the ETH, you can go for it, Trinity. I would break into the USD, but you know we need to get the wife test going first. Four thousands. It's not true. Yeah, but six great pieces of art. We don't really cover Feral File that much on here, but this one really stood out to me for it having like these potable pieces in the physicals and just the array of artists represented. We know pretty much all of them. That was kind of it, though, for top projects, top things to talk about. We're just kind of in a waiting period. First Solos is over. FX Hash 2.0 is coming out. Might be a couple of slow weeks. Plus a holiday next week. <laughs> yeah. But we have a few shout outs here. Do you want to pick one to do? Yeah, I think let's just talk through Through Your Eyes, which is the second piece from William Mepan out of the Intimacy Collection. We talked about the first piece in it, Sketchbook A, I think for what felt like weeks and weeks and weeks in a row. Yep. So through your eyes, it just wrapped up the auctions and another good day for William, I have to admit. Oh yeah. I mean, these prices, as they used to say in price discussion, like these are prices. These are prices that we like to see. Although it's interesting to see the parody with the actual like sketchbooks, the 60-ish sketchbooks in theory being less scarce than these seven curated one of ones that were up for sale that are printed at a much larger scale and like designed for like that level of viewing. It's a fork of the sketchbook code. So they're not exactly the same. But to see that price, actually none of them cost more than a mint pass for sketchbook A. So I thought that was kind of an interesting occurrence. I don't actually know what to make of it. I'm not really sure what to think about it. You know, I think maybe it speaks A to the power of collector curated versus artist curated, I think in this particular way. Now, obviously at ten or $11,000 for Sketchbook A, we are not going to have people building diptychs or triptychs, but there's just very something beautiful about being able to explore the algorithm, find the ones that you want, and really kind of make that happen. It could also speak to the differences in style between Sketchbook A and Through Your Eyes, where we're looking at art as something to be enjoyed, not necessarily from a scarcity perspective. Yep. Through Your Eyes is much more focused on the Sharpie marker feel really bold, bright colors, and that might not be to everyone's taste quite as much. Well, it was to someone's taste because one collector bought three of them and <laughs> they built their triptych out of these. I didn't cross-check to see how many, if any, sketchbook A's they got, but collector Rexel, RKSL, one, number two, number seven, number eight, all for like between 10000 and $11,000. Mm-hmm. This is the person who bought three of the prints. Oh, really? They built that triptych of things that were um, really focused on the red and black. Interesting. So this is someone who's got wall space. (laughs) Yeah. They also got a fourth print that is um, just like almost white on white. So this is someone who's a big fan of Williams. I mean, three of these, they're big. You saw, like, they're basically like five or six feet tall. That's not trivial to hang. As somebody who has a 10 foot tall 
picture that's true in my living room it's not trivial to hang but it is definitely doable one is doable could you do three is the question you'd have to put one over the fireplace <laughs> you'd have to like yeah i almost wonder if this is someone who has like a dedicated space obviously they must have a plan for it but looking through their verse history it's you know these through your eyes it's the four sketchbook prints and then just seven pieces by Maya Man. Nice. Not, not really getting into any of the other work, not getting into any of the other um, items that have physical components. Mm. Although they might have moved some stuff off their wallet, nope. right? No? Nope. I think you would be able to see some of the movement in the, the activity feed. Nothing. Okay. Blockchain uh, forensics <laughs> happening again. <laughs> Doing it live. So yeah, that's it. We're finally done. With the intimacy series, the the last verse well, solos of twenty twenty three. Not fully done. Sketchbook A print is still open for another thirty days. Twenty nine artworks sold so far. I think definitely a lot less than we had anticipated. It's so much less, but there, a lot can happen in thirty days, I guess. Right. So yeah, I had kind of assumed a lot of people would come in right away with pent up seed energy from generating and just being like getting their two, getting their three, whatever. We definitely need to check in when that concludes because if that number stays like under 100, that's way off from what I think everyone assumed would happen. 100%. Perhaps a nice relief to William's hand. <laughs> I would sign them for him for a, a cut. <laughs> for a, a cut, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, we kind of already shouted out Rev Dan's piece on Alba and talked about that. I guess it's TBD if there will be like a plot available from him for it. I think he usually offers that type of thing. So if anyone got one, probably check in with Dan and see what's possible there. So let's just talk about looking ahead and make this a shorter episode for everybody. Yeah. There's a lot to look ahead to actually. The one I'm most excited about, and sorry, I'm just jumping in right here, is Echo No Resonance by Andreas Rao, which is coming up on Verse it's actually releasing on Monday. Sale details are not yet live, but you can sort of play with the algorithm in the browser. It's one that is similar to the Sasha Styles piece on Artblocks curated. It leverages the camera. It kind of records your background and then uses that as the input to the generative art. There's like a whole write-up with this piece about filming a cinematic experience that really only lives within like the NFTs. It's never will never be shown. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around how that works from like a functional and storytelling perspective, but definitely something that is super new and super different. Have you had a chance to play with this at all? I haven't played with it. Uh, you know, they're running a little bit of a contest actually right now where you can like post whatever is made by your face, whatever your camera captures. And I think they're trying to give away a mint pass that way if you talk about it on social media. But no, I haven't. I haven't played with it. I was just more interested in like reading about this whole like film thing because it's it's involving here and now, mm -hmm. um, out of Australia. So that's like Beats. You know, they've done a lot of stuff on Tezos actually. Like all of those here and now exhibits. Uh, it's usually like one a year. I've been on Tezos, and this idea of like we're going to live shoot and edit a film in the streets of Melbourne on the eighth of December, and then during that time, it's going to be fed into Andreas's algorithm, and the four hundred works will be created that way. And then you'll be able to redeem your impact. It's like, it's an extremely wild conceptual thing. So have you played with it? I guess is the question. I have. There's actually some really good, uh, there's a write-up on Verse that kind of is great at showing some screenshots of, you know, here's what was recorded and here's that, how that's translated into the final algorithm. I played with it just sitting in my dining room with my uh, webcam on pulling in a bunch of like the colors and the structures that are around and then really glitching it in a really pleasing way. 
So do you find you can still kind of like make out the underlying no, image? No, absolutely not. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> but if you look at the underlying image and the one that's generated, you can see like, oh, yes, these things totally belong to each other. Mm. But is it confirmed if the Mint Pass will be just for what was filmed in Australia or will it be something that can actually be generated by the end user? No, I think it's only the pieces that are going to be fed off of like stills frames from the film. The once only live cinematic experience will be fed into Andreas's algorithm and a series of 400 artworks will be selected by the artist and available to Mint Pass holders. Mm-hmm. It's very much directly tied to this performance element. And holders will get to see the streaming of the film while it's being created. That's kind of cool. And you'll receive a work derived from one particular moment. And so it's creating like this IRL shared experience. It's wild. It's another like weird, interesting swing from verse. And it's awesome to see Andreas involved in it. One we can check back in on. This would have been a fun interview, actually, to kind of talk to Andreas, talk to Beats, and, you know, just kind of understand what the process is like. Yeah. And how, how did this all come together? And like, what role is the NFT supposed to play? Is it glitching of these scenes supposed to be part of the narrative? And yeah, I'm super curious to see how it's all going to resolve. Next time. Next time. Also, let's look ahead to another verse piece coming up from Vessel, Solve and Solve. They've been showing this one a lot on social media. It's going to be 190 artworks. I think they're going to do one of those auctions. It's just a really cool kind of Eric Swan-ish architecture, mm-hmm. 3D thing. It is kind of like spinning a Farb Dealer or spinning a Punk Twelve in a lot of ways. And Yeah, it scratches that itch. And it's animated as well. Yeah, you can rotate it, like you can play with it and it kind of like undulates and wiggles. It's wild. I think we've all really appreciated, I guess, Vessel's, you know, experimentations on FX hash, trying to pull some up. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen Vessel, I think. They did Intertwined Mm -hmm. and after that, New World. World. Yeah, Intertwined had such a moment. It did. And I think in particular, because that was from still beta at that point. It was like just the end of beta. I think probably people knew Vessel from their other work. And so it was kind of a big deal that they had come to the platform. And likewise, New World had a pretty big pop when it came out. I mean, it came out, I think, in a slower market, but it did have a high secondary sale of 75 Tez at the time. And it was like mm-hmm. only a five also Tez mint. So. At the very end of beta. Oh, at the very end. Yeah. I think this one is rad. It's like feels very different from the work they did in FX Hash. Oh. I'm excited to try to put, put some bids in, to be honest. I think it looks really cool. I am very excited for this. I think it's going to do well. I'm not going to put any predictions in, but... I hope so. I think it's it could definitely be a piece. You know, obviously, like, the 3D element of it, and, you know, I don't think they're offering a physical, at least directly. So perhaps there will be some less collector interest in the fact that it, it animates and It's moves. also not collector curated, which, you know, I think is a good choice by Verse just to not lean into that method too much. But I can see how this would really lend itself to collector curated as well. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess once the generator goes up, we can take a look. It's up. Oh, is it up? Okay. Yeah. I have to flip it then and see because I've only kind of just seen what they put up on Twitter. Two to look forward to from Verse this week. And then we have a new Artbox curated announcement. Big news. I mean, were you a little surprised? How so? So the artist is Olga Fredina, Olga F. And not because the piece is not cool. I think the piece is very cool, but just like... To go from, you know, a bunch of FX hash pieces to then doing a verse to now like in a very compressed time frame to do an art box curated just feels like, whoa, feels like she's way ahead of schedule. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Oh, strike while the uh, iron is hot, I would say. I guess so. 
her last piece did really well on FX hash, right? What was it? Um, Sadak was the one that we talked quite a lot about, right? Mm-hmm. And there have been a couple of projects that have gotten burned. And there's one that's still, I think, reserved only to mint. I hadn't guessed that maybe she had applied for it. I guess everyone is always applying for it, but definitely one to start digging into because I actually don't know that much about Olga. And she just posted today before the show, like a big Twitter thread talking about the process that I, I haven't dug into. She's actually like looking through her website, which I would highly recommend doing from her FX hash profile. It's all about interior design and art. And she's made some really beautiful ceramics as well. It definitely has a really concrete style when it comes to, I don't know, graphic design and graphic art. What she has on her site is definitely not in the code-based world. Yeah, I kind of got the sense maybe that she's someone who had like a practice before code and jumped into code. But yeah, I guess all that is to say, it's like really sick to see someone ascend and get a curated spot like this. I think these outputs look really good. I'm playing with the generator right now. It's very, very nice. Another artist coming from FX Hash over to Artblocks Curated. And when is this releasing? It is releasing on November 22nd, so just before the holiday. Okay, so we'll have some stuff to talk about next week. <laughs> we will. We'll see how this one goes. You know, it's curated, so it'll probably be like 6 ETH down to 0.2 or whatever they tend to be doing these days. It's only 300 editions, so a little bit smaller than the Mount Vitruvius piece. Definitely one to watch. I think they did a great job picking the thumbnail too, like number zero here. I love the colors, like the red and the blue interplay and the segmentation. It really makes me think of Lindo, actually. Oh, interesting. And some of the color and layering and texture. Hmm. MJ, it's been a while. MJ has been a while. Gotta check in with him. Let's also, real quick, I, ha- I pulled up the calendar here. Everything that's on the launch calendar for FX Hash. I'm going to just run through in this looking forward section that Mark Knoll has like a small school collab. Casey Reese put up a piece. We have stuff from Woot Scoot, Anaglyphic. Tyler Boswell has a piece coming. Looks like it'll be for December 1st. A lot of FX hash artists that we've known for a long time, like Fojibis, Edux Ducks. Gurub has a potable piece coming. Collapser Beauty has two different pieces coming out. Mr. Mallory is back, although I don't know if this is related to the last piece. We'll have to dig into that when it releases. Mm-hmm. Tenebris Via, Monokai, Playman. Man, there's so many of these Nudaru. I also just wanted to really call out Rev Dancat for leveraging like the new thumbnail spot in a way that is basically a PowerPoint deck to tell a story visually rather than just posting pictures of the work in progress. <laughs> I assumed kind of the piece in the background is the work in progress, yeah. but I don't know exactly. I can't quite tell what the final piece will look like. But it's yeah, Rev Dance using it more as like an advertisement, which is cool. I'm super excited about December 6th, too, because we're seeing this piece from HAL 9999 called Stars that looks crazy if you check out the animation that they have on their Twitter for it. And also Protocell Labs is finally releasing Tectonica, which I think we were talking about probably a long time ago, six months ago or something. And that's just like through the six. I mean, there's so many posts here. The other big one was on December 7th, like Takawo is releasing a project called Snail Trails in partner with Artix Code. They don't have any description here or other images. Maybe more of that will come, but people are super excited to see Takuo jump over onto FX Hash. Have to imagine that will be an ETH release. None of the tender stuff is even up on here yet. That first week, are you at all worried about the overload in the first uh, week? I think I'm worried about not having enough ETH. That's my worry. Yeah. <laughs> I do think a lot of stuff will be ETH, but I expect a lot of it will be Tezos too, you know? And 
I'm sure that'll be a really big story that we tell after that first week to kind of track how performance is happening, both on the primary and secondary across chain, just to see if there's any patterns that we can start to pull out and track over time. It'll be an interesting month to end the year on as we go into our third year of the podcast. Good Lord. (laughs) Yeah, we'll definitely have it to do some kind of 2023 review episode like we did last year, looking back at the second year of the show. And I think this will be a big part of it too, just talking about this transition to ETH. Keep your eyes on that release calendar. There's new stuff going up there all the time. There's a lot of artists here too that I'm not super familiar with. Like one in particular, like Richard Bozer has this project called Flux that looks really cool. We might just see a bunch of people who have not ever released on FX Hash because ETH wasn't available to them, making the jump over. And there might be some really nice surprises. I think that's it. I think we're good. How about you, Trinity? Uh, I think we're good. I'm just digging now into the new FX Hash Discord channel just to see how to uh, join channels. <laughs> we'll figure that out. We can figure that out off the air. <laughs> yes, 100%. Well, let's wrap this one up then with a quick rundown of all of our generous, generous patrons who have donated at the $25 or above level. So extra big thanks at the end of the episode goes to Melissa Wiederecht, Verse, FX Hash, Dan Cat, Dirtis, EGS5000, Jerez, Mike G, Operating System, Abstractment, Ralgo, Ruxan, Sean Yost, and Tender. So thank you again, everyone. Well, Trinity, yeah, have a good drive. I'm going to be studying civics for a citizenship exam. Nice. Listening to books on tape and uh, ghost story podcasts. Ghost story podcasts. Get in here. Have fun on the drive. Enjoy your holiday. We'll check in next week. We'll find a way to record an episode in some fashion. And that's it for this one. Bye, everybody. Thank you.